a controversial land deal that would have allowed for the development of some ecologically prized land was defeated earlier this week. The deal involved a land swap between a developer and the Department of Fish and Wildlife, and was brokered by the chairman of the California Wildlife Conservation Board. While defeated, the fact that the deal got as far as it did tests the limits of the existing agreements on the protection of certain land. From the San Diego Union-Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is your San Diego News Fix. Joshua Emerson-Smith, you cover environmental issues for the San Diego Union-Tribune, and you've been covering this somewhat odd deal. Before we get into the specifics, can you first explain where is this land and what's so important about it? Uh, It's an area that is comprised of a lot of protected land. Um, for sensitive species. So um, when it comes to the protections on the land itself, uh, can you explain specifically like what is and what isn't allowed on these kinds of lands? Uh, Well, on a reserve, which is the most protected land in California, uh, you can do things like have students go out there and learn about nature. You know, you can, there are some permitted uses, but what you're not supposed to do is build on it. It's supposed to into perpetuity. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is a development deal between a developer and the board that oversees this land. How did they come to decide on this idea of a land swap? Can you kind of explain the machinations that led to this deal being created? Right. So GDCI Proctor Valley LP, uh, that's a limited partnership with the real estate giant GenStar and a local developer, Jackson Pendo Development Company. Um, They bought a bunch of land in Proctor Valley in 2014. And at the time, the the land that they purchased was adjacent to the protected land. And so apparently they had always had their eyes on this land and it was part of negotiations back in 2014. Uh, but it never came to, and, and then uh, last year, after um, the Department of Fish and Wildlife had criticized the project known as Adara Dotai Ranch, uh, the county, on behalf of the developer, reached to the Wild Department and asked to have a conversation with the top brass. And that uh, materialized in uh, the spring, summer of 2019 um, as the developer, the county, uh, county supervisor, Greg Cox and others sat down with the wildlife department's head, uh, Chuck Bonham. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was the man that essentially brokered this entire deal, right? Yeah, I mean, he's he's the one that that approved it. Um, the land, like I said, the land swap had long been sought by the developer, but, uh, it was Bonham who said, okay, let's have, um, I will agree to sign this dispute resolution agreement. And, uh, Bonham said that this was to, um, settle a long running dispute between the department and the developer, which I can get into if you want me to give you the details on that. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, it's it's kind of interesting how this thing has been, you know, kind of in the back burner for a long time, and then it finally got to this point. Right. So the de- so the developer um, was had it had its initial plan, which was um, more sprawling. Uh, it had a number of um, uh, unconnected uh, pieces of development 
in the plan. And well, and some of that property, uh, the wildlife department said, uh, no, you're not allowed to build on this. This is this is long been set aside as um, protected land under the county's multiple species conservation plan or MSCP. This is separate from the land that they were negotiating for. This is land that's owned by the developer, not the land that they wanted to acquire in the swap. And so the wildlife said, you're planning to build on land that's supposed to be part of a preserve. It's part of a, a long running plan that is approved by the county and overseen by the state. And the developer said, no, 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 you got it wrong. It, we, were all, we were always allowed to build on this. And the county backed the developer and said, oh, yeah, 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 we've zoned this for building. And it got pretty heated. Uh, the wildlife department staff, the developer, the county, um, they were arguing over this in the run-up to the uh, initial approval of the project in 2019. Um, for years, really, for a number of years, and it looked like it might go to court. Um, and then that's when uh, the county reached out to the wildlife department and said, hey, can we meet? Can we talk about this? Maybe there's a dispute resolution agreement we can come to. And when they finally sat down, uh, Bonham, head of the uh, California Department of Fish and Wildlife, agreed to sign this resolution. Now, or uh, uh, sign this agreement. Now the environmentalists got pretty upset with this because part of the plans that the that the state would have land swap were these land contention. So uh, they were saying, hey, these are lands that are already supposed to be protected, and now they're going to trade them to you for other protected lands. And of course, you know, we, that never went to court, but there was this big disagreement about this, sep this separate piece of property, about whether it had to be protected or not. And that's kind of what, uh, well, no, that's definitely what kind of led to the, to the dispute resolution agreement. Mm -hmm. And uh, these land swaps, uh, they happen, but usually on a much smaller scale. Can you explain uh, those small ones and kind of put it in context to just how different this one could have been. Yeah, it would be like, you know, I live next to an ecological reserve, but we need to do some grading because the stormwater is destroying my part, my, my property, something like that. And maybe it's like an acre here or an acre there. There was one deal for the creation of a nature center, uh, but nothing where you were going to put an, uh, like a high end development on an ecological reserve land that's supposed to be uh, protected into perpetuity. This is land that the state acquired in 2003, as I said, as part of the Rancho Omul Ecological Reserve. And when that happened, everyone thought, okay, yeah, this land's protected forever. So then saying, now we're going to trade away that land um, to allow this development to go forward, um, specifically because the developer thinks that the land that they currently own is, is developable, and the state says it's not, these are very unique situation. It's a very unique situation. That definitely the uh, the environmentalists um, saw this as strong arm tactics from the developer and the county to try to force the agreement um, to acquire this uh, this protected land, which is we should say home to a sizable population of Kino checker spot butterflies and endangered species. Um, 
And so, you know, in the end, though, uh, it needed to be approved by an independent board, the Wildlife Conservation Board, which is the board that oversees the Department of Fish and Wildlife, although the director, the head of Fish and Wildlife is also the chairman of the WCB. Mm-hmm. And then in the end, on Tuesday, this deal itself was voted down. In that meeting, uh, did any news come out of that in regards to, you know, the opposition of the board to this, you know, odd deal? Well, uh, Bonham recused himself. And then there was only one other person on the board that voted to approve the deal. So in the end, it was defeated five to one with Bonham abstaining. So it was a pretty resounding rejection of the proposal. Um, and now uh, the project uh, reverts back to its original, more sprawling uh, incarnation. Um, however, that project is being challenged in court on wildfire and greenhouse gas emissions grounds. And it, it is worth to say that a number of these projects out in the unincorporated areas have been challenged by environmental groups uh, climate change grounds, and they've all basically been stopped, at least temporarily. The environmentalists um, have basically like erected a green wall out there, where you know you can't, they can't figure out how to get around the the issues, um, mainly pertaining to um, car emissions and green, mm-hmm. greenhouse gases from cars. And for this specific deal, is there any steps that could be taken to bring it back, or is it now dead? Uh, it seems like politically it's definitely dead. I mean, there's nothing to stop Bonham and the county from trying to stru- strike another deal. But the board was pretty unanimous in its position, which was that this would set a terrible precedent uh, for the state. Um, the optics on it were bad. Uh, and it would it would undermine the, um, the efforts of the land trust community because what land trusts do is they often go to their donors and they say, hey, we need some money to acquire this land, to get all the paperwork in order. And then we bring it before uh, we bring it before the state and see if they want to buy it. Right. And so all the work that the land trusts do, tee it up for the state to then purchase it and put it under protection. However, uh, the land trusts, and I talked to a number of them, they said that they often get pushback from from donors, right, who ha- you know can make the decision about what they, they'd like to spend their money on, their philanthropy on. And that pushback is, well, you know, are these protections, um, are they permanent? You know, are they, is this going to get overturned? Why should I spend my money on this? And so the land trusts spend a lot of time talking to their donors about how the, the rules are very robust in California and that they can trust that their money is being spent wisely. Now, if that was overturned, uh, that could have been undermined is what they argued. It had this been allowed to go forward. It would be an example of how, you know, all your efforts may be for for nothing, you know, if the state just decides on a whim to do a 180. Mm -hmm. And would it be unfair to characterize what happened as kind of a weakness in the system? Like, do you expect other developers to use this kind of strategy to try to, you know, possibly develop or encroach on lands that are protected? It was pretty unique to see developers going after a piece of land that was this protected, you know, an ecological reserve, um, 
part of, part of this whole area there in Proctor Valley, super sensitive habitat for an endangered species. Although we should say that we see this kind of playbook all the time. We see, we, we have seen the county and developers, what they call elevate an issue, which is where they hit a roadblock with, with uh, staff. You know, it could be federal wildlife officials or state wildlife officials. And then at the 11th hour to try to elevate it to some department who they feel like they either have political connections with or some kind of sway over to try to um, push through an agreement. Um, you know, I, I can't even count the amount of deals like this I've seen. But um, I think what makes this one particularly unique is just the, the land that they were going after um, was really this, this ecologically prized land that was supposed to be protected into perpetuity, basically forever. Mm-hmm. And considering what we know about the dangers of developing in the backcountry, be it wildfire concerns or damaging the habitats of endangered species, it seems somewhat, I don't know, surprising, I suppose, that so much effort has been put into this deal that would have had real environmental costs. Is it still the status quo here in San Diego and California that going this route is easier than trying to build dense development in urban areas? Well, that is the $24,000 question. For sure. Um, This, the type of the greenfield development that you would see in the unincorporated parts of the county is, the building industry will tell you that that's traditionally how they have provided uh, mid-range housing. The urban infill that we see basically provides market rate housing, right? Which we know has base, is, has become unattainable for a lot of people. It's that upper end stuff. And then whatever's required in terms of inclusionary housing for um, those that qualify uh, under the low income rules. So they would say that this is basically the, um, this, is, this is how they used to provide affordable housing. They can't anymore, but I mean, Still, you know, I'd say 75% of what the building industry is doing in San Diego is the more kind of urban infill or, or you know, some, somewhere in between where it's within the, the more urban areas, the urban growth boundaries. This kind of stuff out in unconnected, unconnected you know, discontinuous places is less of a is is not as big of a piece of the pie but it but they will say that this is how they used to provide the more affordable housing and and now because of like this green wall basically up out there with sierra club center for biological diversity endangered habitats league and so on and they've just been blocking projects left and right Hmm. and finally uh, you kind of described uh, the status quo of housing and in California and how environmentalism kind of is a is a part of that status quo when it comes to all the challenges that California is facing be it wildfire needs to protect the environment and just a sheer unaffordability are we nearing a point in which any of these things will finally force a change or do you think we're kind of going to be stuck in the status quo for at least you know the next decade the status quo of what 
just the fact that, you know, we can't build out because it's too difficult to get, you know, this is land that has that green wall, as you said, and there's opposition to development along the coast. So, so developers are having to be crafty to even suggest to build anything at all. So it's like no housing gets built and therefore the price goes up and up. It's, it's eventually going to break at some point, right? Well, I think people would argue that it's already broken. That's why we have the the housing crisis. Um, I think we're supposed to be building like 20,000 units a year in the region, I think. And we're, I mean, Phil had a good story today about how we're on pace to build the 10, which is good. We're trending up, you know, unlike many places in Southern California, but that's still like half of what we're supposed to be building under our under our housing targets. So we're still a long way away from trying to build our way out of the problem. Plus, I think, you know, you have to count in a lot of latent demands from neighboring states. If if the cost of housing went down here, you know, you might see demand as people try to move back to California. So this is a really, a really complex issue. Um, Yeah, definitely you got, you got challenges no matter where you go these days if you want to build housing there's no easy housing getting built certainly well at least for this deal it is a victory for environmentalists and for that butterfly as well josh Jermson smith thank you so much good to be here thanks for listening to the san diego news fix if you're curious about how greater san diego is working toward building a new future listen to the ut's luis cruz on together san diego Join in on conversations with activists, nonprofits, and companies who are finding out ways this moment can change San Diego for the better. Listen in on Facebook. For a guide to all of our live streaming programming, check out the schedule on uniontrib.com. Until next time.